All right, everybody, how are you doing today? <clears throat> really, really, really good to have you guys. Um, anybody excited about this very cool weather we're having? Isn't it awesome? Gosh, excited about the weather. I'm a little, little unsure about being on stage after what just happened. Uh, sometimes I feel like, like why, even, why even walk up and really have a message? We're really kind of just a cross between a youth group and something else. Um, <laughs> it, it, as one person had said before, they, they've uh, talked about our church and they said, you guys, we love the church. You guys don't take yourselves uh, very seriously, do you? And I said, no, we really don't. We don't take ourselves very serious, but we do take what we do serious. And um, I'm very, very excited <clears throat> about where we've gone in this series, uh, Freeway. We've had a lot of, a lot of folks in our small groups that have never been in a small group before talking and sharing about, honestly, what God's done in their lives. Uh, I don't know if you were here last week, but we've got much to celebrate. We have 26 people that, that had recently bowed the knee to Christ and given their lives to Jesus and were baptized last week, as we call it, God Plunge. And that was a really, really wonderful experience. I mean, <clears throat> can I just say... As a, a, one of the, you know, partners in this endeavor with you, there is nothing, nothing for me more exciting than seeing people take the God plunge. It just represents so much of, you know, internally what's going on in people's lives. And it just says volumes about the, the life that is going on in our church. And uh, when, we, when we launched this thing five and a half years ago, it's amazing we're, we're still so young as a church, we just really envisioned a church and a, and, and a people that were becoming a family, the idea of my church, it could be yours, and, and, and a group of people that were, were really setting out to, to change the world. And for last week, and my, my, wife, my wife and I watching people one by one, adults and children uh, older people, younger people, saying Jesus has changed my life. It just was a, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, and I want to thank you for uh, trusting, um, trusting in each other and, and that, that what is happening here is something that you can, you can be proud of and invite your friends to. Because every week, every week, we have so many guests and visitors. And I just want to say if you're a guest this morning, we're glad you're here. Whatever we just said about the God plunge and being dunked underwater, we won't do to you, okay? So you can just be our guest this morning uh, and enjoy. That's, uh, that's our, it's our hope today. Let me do this. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and pray to kind of erase our minds from the jumping banana. And um, let's, let's get ready for what I believe God's going to really say to us this morning, all right? God, we love you. Lord, in this moment, we just want to pause and really do just have a moment where God, do you... Um, where we want to say um, we're open, we're, we're ready to receive, God, what you would say to us. God, I, I pray that your word as I share scripture, um, that you fully intended for us to not just uh, learn and or memorize and or just ponder on, but God, I pray that you would allow us to, to hear your word and act on it. And I pray, God, in the process of this morning, that you could really transform our hearts that we could go to a whole nother level of knowing you and experiencing you. God, we love you. And God, we're grateful that you came to this earth to give us hope, to give us freedom in you. God, I pray for every man, every woman, every child here today. 
and across our city. And I ask God that each of us would allow you to do what you want to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's conversation, as we finish up next week, this whole idea of being free in Christ and, and, and letting go of some of the junk in our past and really walking into a place of really understanding who we are in Christ, we're going to talk about acceptance. Now, acceptance is one of those words that at first glance you're like, acceptance, you know, I'm accepted, I accept others. But I want to dive down a whole lot deeper in this word acceptance and help us grasp some things about, <clears throat> about ourselves and about others. How many of you guys realize that as human beings, we are acceptance magnets? We go where we're accepted. Would you agree? How many of you guys love to show up to a party where nobody likes you? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, if it's a joke, right? I'm going to, you know, you know, wedding crasher types. I'm going to show up. I don't, they don't know me. They don't like me. They, you know, I'm going to. Nobody really does that unless you're trying to be stupid, unless you're trying to be silly or goofy or play a prank. We go sort of like moths to a, a flame. We go to where we're accepted. It's, it's always been this way. God somehow puts something in our hearts that, that draws us to each other. It, it's, it's sort of the same principle of what Jesus, you know, decided years ago when he created us. But sometimes we get lost in finding acceptance and we, we, miss, <clears throat> we miss acceptance oftentimes. And I think the number one reason is because we have a hard time accepting ourselves. Now, I like me sometimes, and sometimes I hate me. <laughs> you, you tracking? Sometimes I like me, and sometimes I'm really, really frustrated with me. And I think for the, for the better part of us, we have issues with the whole acceptance things because we blow it on occasion. Now, I want to dive right into Scripture this morning, and I want to talk to us about, about a guy who <clears throat> understood and could very, very much relate to us. And we, we talked about this guy a lot when we did the hashtag Where's the Joy series because we talked about a guy who had joy. His name was Paul, and he was this guy who, who literally, you know, had just a really jacked up life. He really had a whole lot of missteps, mishaps, and, you know, <clears throat> for the better part of his life, did a whole lot of bad stuff. And this was a guy who really under, understood the turmoil of, I, I, I want to do good, but I don't always do good, and therefore he had to have some wrestle with this whole acceptance thing because whenever we, whenever we have good intentions and we don't make good on those intentions, somehow down deep inside of us, we think less of ourselves. <clears throat> and we, over time, erode what we think of ourselves. Especially if you're maybe an A-type personality where you're driven, you're driven, you're driven, and you're sort of, um, things in life can be masked because you can go and make stuff happen. You, you, and then when you make stuff happen, sometimes you don't make stuff happen. And if you're that personality and you're normally driven to get stuff done and accomplish stuff or, you know, just push forward, man, you can just beat yourself up and not accept yourself. This last, I don't know, a few weeks ago, um, we, my wife and I were trying to get some friends to go to a football game with us. The weather was starting to get nice, and we thought, let's, let's grab another couple. It's Murphy Family Friday night. 
at our house, and you know, the kids have do better sometimes when we invite another family with us. They're much more nice to each other, and it's kind of a fun night. And so we were trying to get this one family to go, but the mom wasn't wanting to come, so it was going to kind of botch up the whole dynamics. And so I was texting the dad, who's my buddy, saying, come on, man, you guys got to come with us tonight. We'll make it fun, and, you know, we'll, we'll goof off. We'll have a good time. And he's like, well, my wife said, you know, she's got something going on. Uh, tomorrow, and she's got to get started on it, <clears throat> and I'm realizing, all right, this is going to mess things up, so I'm texting him saying, no, seriously, just tell your wife that, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, I'm trying to give him lines to give to his wife, so she'd come, so it would make my wife happier, so it wasn't going to turn out to be a dude's night, and, you know, just mess the whole thing up, and so finally, he texts me back, and, and I should read it to you, but it might take too, time to, too, too long to find this, this text on my phone. But he said, basically he said, and I'm going to try to quote it. He said, hey man, it's all good. My wife's got stuff going on, and I get it. I, I know people would rather have my wife than probably have just me. And he was being silly, but I really felt like there was a level of truth in this. And this guy is a VP of a, of a large company in our city. And I just thought, you know what, that's, that's it. All of us, no matter race, size, gender, socioeconomic, where you stand. I mean, all of us somehow struggle with the whole acceptance thing. Somehow this dude thought that we wanted their family, but primarily because his wife. And that's not the truth, but somehow, as we have talked in this series, we can believe some really, really stupid lies about ourselves, Stemming from... Our enemy, who is a master, 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 spending his entire life's existence on how to mess you and I up and keep us from ultimately being free. So here's this guy in, this, in the Bible, his name's Paul, who understood this. And I want to show you this today. I want to show you um, where this guy says we mess up in the whole acceptance piece. In Romans chapter 7, if you've got a Bible, it's, it's about six books into the New Testament. And if you don't have like the hard copy, old school, like underline it, and I love underlining in my Bible, and I think it's great to write notes in, and sometimes it's fun to go old school. But man, we live in a, in a, in a highly technical world, so grab your device, whatever it is, and find this and, and highlight this because this is, this is the turmoil, turmoil. This is our wrestle. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he said, I have discovered this principle in life, like bank on it. Here's a principle, that when I, I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. <laughs> Can anybody relate? Anybody relate? I mean, there is this constant turmoil in me that I feel like exactly what Paul feels like when he says, I want to do what's right, but inevitably, inevitably I do what's wrong. Paul says, I have great intentions, but I seem to drop the ball sometimes. Verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart. I want to do what's right. I love God. I, I, I understand that there's rule, there's some, there's some reasons behind the rules. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. I meant to do good, but I ended up 
doing what I didn't want to do. So Paul says, this is my struggle. This is my dilemma. This is the thing that over time erodes our ability to have a quality connection with God and honestly a quality connection, a relationship with others. The Bible says that we ought to love God and love others. That's, that's the spice of life. And we, when we can get those things right, then you are pretty much smooth sailing. But our enemy knows if he can jack up either one of those, especially this relationship with God, then he can jack up pretty much everything else. But in us is this desire to be accepted. And when we are blowing it and having good intentions and then I blow it, I have good intentions and I blow it, over time we feel like, whether you say this, whether, whether these are the words that pop in your head or not, we feel like I'm not accepted by God. And when we feel less accepted by God, we don't feel also accepted or accepting of others when we're dropping the ball, when we're blowing it. And so maybe you've been in these shoes before, I know I have, where you have said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some changes in my life. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to solve this. And maybe you, you say, you know what, I've heard Jeff say, or I was at a church, or maybe I just was reading the Bible or just had this motive of, I want to start, you know, I'm going to start praying on occasion. And in fact, I'm going to pray every morning before I read my Facebook page, right? Before I check any updates on social media. And you do it for like two days. <laughs> and then you wake up the next morning, you're like checking all the social media first. You're like, oh, dadgummit. Oh, no, I messed up again, right? Or maybe you say, I'm going to start reading my Bible because I know it's the, the source of hope and strength, and I want to try to grow closer to God, and you will yourself to do this, and over time, you, you know, you, you blow that. I had good intentions, but I didn't do very well at this. I dropped the ball. Maybe you say, I'm not going to yell at my kids today. And after like 30 minutes in the car, you're like, shut up right now, Right? Or maybe you decided, man, I'm going to, I'm all day today, I'm going to, I'm going to serve my wife. And she came home and like the trash was left out. Maybe did that happen to us this weekend? It sure did, didn't it? Okay. All right. So maybe, maybe you dropped the ball. Maybe you dropped the ball over and over and over again. And finally you get to a place where you say, you know what? Why even pick it up? Why even try? And for many of us, the longer you live, the easier it is to slip back in a comatose state of why try? Why step out there any further because I'm just going to be me again? Well, the real question is, who are you? Because potentially many of us could be believing something about ourselves that really isn't who we are. So Paul talks about this. He goes on in Romans 24, and he says, what a miserable person I am. I mean, here's the guy that God used in an, in an unsurmountable way. The apostle Paul. You put the word apostle in front of it, and it's like, oh, right? It's a big deal. Like, you're one of God's, like, A-team, like, A-list celebrity guys that he used, right? And surely you would think this guy that God chose must have gotten chosen because what he was doing right, wrong. Paul didn't get chosen, obviously, 
because what he was doing that was right. Oh, what a miserable person I am, he says. I love this statement because it reminds me of something Rose Mishkoff, she's in our church. I don't know if she's in here this morning, but she and Brooke Salmon oversee our My Kids areas. You see all the blue shirt, T-shirt people, My Kids, My Tots, all, right, all over the place. We've got some incredible kids volunteers, incredible kids ministry that's just like growing and growing and growing, really phenomenal. But Rose always speaks of and talks about in her language for like teasing about her daughter who's really like, uh, you know, very animated and funny and she's all spunky. She speaks of her daughter, her house, herself as a hot mess. <laughs> you guys ever heard that word, like a hot mess? Well, here, I, I just kind of relate to this. And Paul's basically saying, what a miserable person I am. What a mess. What a mess my, my world is. Like, I'm a hot mess. What a, what a mess as I look around at, you know, the things. There's Rose. Hi, Rose. Sorry, I won't focus all. Don't look at Rose. Rose is over there right now. Sorry. I have a terrible habit of what I see and think and, and uh, I, I say what I think and see. Anyway, so <clears throat> I get sidetracked easily, so let me focus here. So I wouldn't have said it, Rose, if you were in here right now. All right, so Paul says, what, what a mess. I'm in this mess, and because of this mess, I'm a miserable person. And he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He says, thank God that the answer to my own question is Jesus Christ. He didn't say that the answer to my mess is me manning up or willing up or trying to do something more or less or try hard. The answer is in Jesus Christ. It wasn't in himself, it wasn't in his abilities. It wasn't Paul trying to free himself. It was really all of sometimes the opposites of what we try to do on our own that Paul realizes sometimes doing less but knowing him more and more of what he thinks about me is really how we change. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful, because of my sinful nature, I'm, 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 I'm a sinner. I'm a slave to sin. Let me just say this is very encouraging to me. <laughs> Paul, Paul relating it gives me hope. Paul explaining this the way he does, that, that there's this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, helps me tremendously. Because if you're like me, there are times when I try really, really hard. Is there a phone ringing? All right. There are times, there are times I try really, that sounds like it's up here somewhere. One of the band guys left their phone on stage. So anyways, there are times we try really, really hard and we blow it that we just want to just say, all right, you know, I'm just going to quit. Paul speaks of this. He says, I have tried and I've tried and I want to obey God's law, but I'm just realizing that, you know what? I am sinful. I am sinful. And he's coming to probably a good, healthy reality here. But here's what's cool. Paul's life was a mess, but God picked him anyway. See, there is a lie that I think 
many of us get to believing over time, that is, you're too messy for God. Or I'm too messed up for God to love me or want me or accept me or, my gosh, use me to be a part of the big plan or to have a purpose or to have, you know, some real hope of joy and love and grace and having direction and clarity or a real purpose in life, we believe oftentimes that you've got to, God loves the, God loves the people who got it all together. God loves that guy because he looks good. God loves that guy because he prays more than I do. God loves that guy because he does this. God loves them somehow because they have it all together more than me. We have this idea that God's A-team has to have it all together. Let me just share. I, I stole this um, from, uh, from the Internet. The guy I know wrote this out, and I thought this is, this is so true. Let me just tell you who God's starting lineup was in the Bible. All right? Here we go. Noah, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Jacob was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elisha was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while they prayed. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced over and over and over and over. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. There's God's A-team. There's the starting lineup for how Jesus changed the world, how God changed the world. And yet, we strive and we strive trying to keep up the appearance that we've got it all together. Why? Because we think we'll be accepted more. We think God will accept us more if we even try to pretend to God. And the whole time God's going, I know where you're at. I know your zip code. You think your wife knows you? You think your kids know you? You think your roommate, your friend, you think they get you? I get you. The other day, um, my wife and the kids left the house going to school. I, I asked off to take kids early to where they had to go in the morning and, and said, I need to stay home this morning and study. And I was working through this, and I started thinking, you know what? Do you know how we, do you know how we uh, strive for acceptance and we pretend a little bit in the process? When we're having company over. How many of you have done your very best to get your house tidied up, cleaned up, just for company to come over? And you're like, you know what, I don't want them to think that we don't have our house perfect. So you're like, you, you drag junk, you stuff it in closets, you're like, you get your family involved and like shut the door, you know, as it's all pushing out. You, you, you scramble and you rush. You try to get everything smelling nice and get everything looking nice and cleaned up. And they're walking in and they're thinking, oh my gosh, your house is so beautiful. You're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We're, we're always like this. No, you're not. So, so I, I asked permission 
and, 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 and made a quick little video of what our house looked like. <laughs> I did get permission of what our house looked like on, on average general day. And I just want to show you this real quick. This is, this is what our house looks like on a normal day. If you've never seen it quite like this, check out right here in the stairs on the way to the main room, shirt, shoes. On the couch, we've got blankets, my bag, my computer, my shoes. These planes that JD makes are normally all over the house. They're just in one place right now. We don't know how that happened. We've got pillows. They're actually in pretty decent shape. Ball, more blankets. Into the kitchen here, we have stuff on the chairs, books out here on the kitchen island. There's chairs that are all kind of out of place. Inside the pumpkin, there's cars. We don't, know who, we don't even know who plays with those anymore. That's maybe how long they've been there. No, we've had a nephew over. We have, what is that? It's a bag, water in a cup, the controller, water, trash bags, hangers, the Nutribullet, Christie's journal. Sweet, no one's home. Let me just check it out real quick. Journal, oh, better not go there. Full sink of dishes, and let me just show you, we got we have food left out and the masterful fridge with stuff all over it. This is our house. You guys ever do that? You guys ever have people over trying to get everything all fixed up and strive to make up this appearance that you have it all together? Point is this, we at some point have to accept the fact of the reality that we have issues. We, we have to get to the, the, the place that like just admitting, I've got issues. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's issues here. And it's not that you have to ignore any of the other things, any of the stuff that are, that's issues. We just need to not hide and pretend. The problem is we don't see ourselves as we are, but as we aren't. It's one of our biggest issues. We see ourselves as we aren't, and really we need to be recognizing really who we are. So the deal is if we focus on what we're not, it will keep us from becoming who we are. Let me say that again. If we focus on what we're not, it will keep us from becoming who we are. Paul also said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He spoke of this. He said, there is, there is now no condemnation. For those who belong to Christ. See, we're somehow, because this acceptance thing, and because of constantly blowing it, we're masters at condemning things. You ever notice how when a house gets really, really old and starting to fall apart, it's like, eh, is it even worth coming in and renovating? And sometimes they'll just knock it down. Do you know, all through the existence of human hum humanity, God never knocked down anybody that he wasn't trying to, to build back. God is in the business of redeeming things. God is in the business of, 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 of solving things, of building things. And so what we understand in this scripture is God, there's no condemnation. God's not condemning us. He brought Jesus to bring us back to himself, to redeem things. And so the question the idea is, if God doesn't condemn you, how do you think we ought to condemn ourselves? We shouldn't. If God doesn't condemn us, we shouldn't condemn ourselves either. I remember um, 
a, a couple years ago. We were in baseball season. J.D. was playing on a baseball team. And it was one of those days where the coaches didn't come all so prepared for practice. And so they just kind of let some fun games happen that day just to, just to spur on some team camaraderie. And uh, they, they just had some game. I don't think they told the kids what the game was. They said, all right, we want you guys to divide up. We're going to pick two captains, and you guys just pick two teams. And somehow they, somehow they thought, we're going to race. And so both teams were, were trying to pick J.D. for their team because he can run like the wind. And so they're like, no, I want J.D. So finally, the, this, one of the oldest boys got J.D. as the very first pick on his team. And then they figured out, once all the teams got picked, that this was going to be a home run derby. And the team that, that J.D. got picked for, and the oldest boy that picked J.D. was like, oh, man, I thought we were running. I didn't know we were hitting. J.D. can't hit. And for whatever reason, he was having a hard last few games and was striking out and not hitting very good. And, I mean, he can, he can crush a ball, but for whatever reason, they picked him because he could run fast, not because of his batting average. And all of a sudden, I was like, his dad, I was like, I'm going to crush this kid. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make my son feel like he's the last no good, least of all... And, and I, 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 I realized in that moment, that's exactly, exactly oftentimes where we end up. And it's easier for us to, to miss how the Father feels about us when we feel condemned or we're condemning others or when we feel unaccepted or when we're unaccepting. The question is, who are you? If I asked you right now to write down five sentences of who you are, what would you say of yourself? How would you explain yourself on paper? Here's what we should say based on how God views us. In Jesus, you know who we are? In Jesus, you are a new creation. That's what Scripture says if you have placed your heart and belief in Jesus as your Savior. It says, in Jesus, you are a new creation. This is who you are. You're a new creation. How do I know this? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, not somebody, not the guy who knows the most or the coolest guy or the guy who does what you think something better than what you do, but it says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. In Jesus you know, what, you know what, who else we are? It says, you are forgiven. We talked about this last week. Christy's dad came and spoke. In Jesus, we are forgiven. That's who you are. You're forgiven. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It says, by his wounds you are healed. In Jesus, you are forgiven. Get this. In Jesus, this is who you are. You are a son or daughter. You are a child of God. In Jesus, you're a child of God. I forget oftentimes really who my dad is and what he really thinks of me. In the same way, when my son felt less 
dad wanted to just like go off on like five-year-olds. I wanted to go over there, dad saying, hey, you need to talk to your kid, right? Our dad feels the same way when we don't look at ourselves the way he sees us. We're a son. We're daughters of the most high king. We have a perfect father who loves us immeasurably. There's no way to even grasp or measure how much God loves and accepts us just the way you are. See, the problem we have is, yeah, I know, I know, but what happens when I blow it? Does God love me less? No. No, he doesn't. But wait a second. But if I continue to sin and we get lost in this trap, this rat race of running on this treadmill, somehow thinking we can do better and earn more of God's love, and that's just not the Bible. When I recognize God's love for me, when I really recognize how he views me, then and only then do I begin to find purpose and understand that he's got a plan for my life and that I can actually start sensing his strength, his courage, his power in my life to actually follow and pursue him. You're a new creation. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. And in Jesus, in Jesus, you are free. You're free. Galatians 5.1, it's a verse that we've talked about in this series. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Let me say again and again and again by the yoke of slavery. Let me just say this. The mess around you doesn't ever change the message to you. God says, I love this mess. I love you. No matter what mess you are, no matter how things are messy in your life, God doesn't want you to pretend. God doesn't want you to hide. God wants you to just step up and say, God, I know you love me no matter what. That's the truth. God loves you no matter what. You are a child of God. You are forgiven by God. You are a new creation through Christ. And God wants you to know, I love this mess. When I think about the perfect parent, in fact, it's hard to think of a perfect parent because there are no perfect parents. But if you could imagine the absolute perfect parent in any given scenario of life, Imagine a God who, at all costs, a dad at all costs, that that would do whatever it would take to win the love of his kids. At all costs, to prove and show that he was interested in them. A dad that at all costs would, 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 would fight, would work, would, would, would give, would sacrifice, whatever it takes. When you think of a dad like that, you've got to think of Jesus. You've got to think of God, who from the beginning of time until now has been loving us, not pursuing us to 
make you feel like he was trying to chase you, get after you, like you're in big, big trouble, you better run. Just the opposite. We have a God who's been pursuing us to tell us, love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want to take the burdens off of you. I want to take away your struggle. I want to forgive you of that. I want to help you with that. God doesn't want us to run from him. God wants us to run to him. My hope and prayer in this series is that we could get our minds right about how God sees us. Instead of just trying to always will ourselves, get better at trying to solve stuff or get better at things, I think the goal in this series of really getting free is really, really, really recognizing how God sees us and how we view God. So my hope is that we would get to a place where we would simply submit and we'd surrender. God, I'm going to choose to believe this is how you view me. I'm going to choose to believe, God, that you really do care about me that much. I'm really going to choose to believe, God, that through you, all things are possible. God, I'm really going to choose to believe that what you did on the cross for me does solve and settle everything but how I should view myself. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I'm going to stand in it. I'm going to stand in this grace and receive it. And as we receive it, we can give it. As we receive it, we can share it. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, it is our privilege to be your children. God, really, it is our privilege to, to be forgiven. God, sometimes it's so hard to figure ourselves. God, some, sometimes, God, it's so hard to accept ourselves. When we make mistakes over and over and over again, God. God, we think about all those guys in the Bible and all the issues they had. And God, I just pray that we could remember, God, on any given moment, on any given basis, how you see us, how you view us. God, help us to remain in these truths today. We're your children. We are forgiven. That's who I am. I'm a child forgiven by the Most High King. I'm a child who's loved by God. I am new in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us get our thinking straight, to get our hearts straight. And God, I pray that today in this moment, we would simply just say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to surrender my mess, my hurts, my insufficiencies. I'm going to surrender them to you. I'm just going to give it all to you. My struggles, my fears, I'm just going to give those over to you. You can do with them a whole lot better than I can. God, I'm just going to give my hurt, my fear, I'm going to just give it all over to you. Jesus, thank you for loving us more than we can deserve. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Continue.